Welcome to Real Tech Hours, the podcast where we talk about tech during real tech hours. Today we're going to talk about a lot. We've been away for a while, so I'll try to cover the major events that have happened since last time. The headliners, basically. But first, the rest of the intro. If you have a question, comment, topic you want to see discussed, or you just want to reach out, send an email to realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. That is realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow this podcast on Twitter at realtechhours to stay up to date with the podcast. Okay, so let's jump into it. As I mentioned before, there is a lot that has happened. The last show was published back on October 28th. It has been over three months, easily the longest break the show has seen, and it's not without good reason. As the pandemic has dragged on, my time to do the show has been drying up. Uh, there's a surprising amount of prep work that goes into each episode. While I try to spend as little time on the scripts as possible, so it's less me repeating articles and more of my thoughts on the subject, I still have to keep up to date with everything that's happening in the tech space and business environment in general. It's this level of reading and thinking that enables me to be able to comment on events or topics in a meaningful way that I wanted to share with a broader audience. And while I could have easily sat down for 30 to 40 minutes every week and knocked an episode out, that's not what I wanted for this podcast. I wanted to be able to give informed and insightful commentary from my personal perspective, not what an article is telling me is happening. I also ended up catching the virus myself. I had planned a return towards the beginning of this year, but on January 4th, after a few days of feeling ill, I tested positive for COVID-19. So this was a bit of a shock at the time. Considering that I had very few outings to places, I could have potentially come into contact with someone carrying it. My main exposure to the public was work, and other than that, I'd hardly been anywhere, other than the occasional food pickup or trip to the grocery store. But nevertheless, I've survived and finally feel ready to bring the show back. There are obviously some extremely recent events that people want to hear me talk about, but we uh, will be trying. We will be following the typical format. Uh, I will be watching how long this is running. I'm going to try to keep it around 30 to 35 minutes, which means uh, that catching up will probably take multiple parts. And unless I blow through topics, they'll be released daily until they are finished. Uh, then the shows will be released as at the usual Wednesday schedule with hot takes occurring whenever. Um, so what that means is basically I'm going to, I've, I've got the recording software open here on my left monitor. I am going to glance over at it every so often, see what time we're at. Once we hit around that 30 to 35 minute mark, uh, I'm going to wrap up whatever topic I'm talking about and then cut it off there and then start recording another episode with a brief intro and then just immediately jumping back into where we left off. And then that will be uploaded tomorrow on Thursday. It'll, it'll be pre-uploaded and then uh, scheduled release on Thursday uh, around a similar time to whenever I schedule this one today. So it'll probably just, this one today will probably just go up immediately. And then, you know, tomorrow, the next one will go up whenever that is. Uh, I don't think it'll go beyond two. That'd be kind of wild. I would have to talk for a really long time. I don't mind doing that. I've been away for a minute, so I would, am very interested in talking for a long time. But anyways, let's jump into it and see what is happening. So obviously, we're going to start with what is coming up. Two days. Today is the 10th, and two days on the 12th, the IRS will be, begin accepting tax returns. Hopefully, you have your stuff ready. Hopefully, you have yours pre filed and everything set to go so that it can just be sent out. Uh, I know TurboTax does pre-filing, that's how I do mine, and mine is pre-filed, ready to go, so whenever they accept them, TurboTax will send mine in and hopefully it gets accepted very quickly. Next, 
Apple's VR headset. We have heard a lot about Apple working on some sort of glasses or VR or AR or, or, or they're doing something, right? And, and a lot of people have been speculating it's going to be AR glasses. It's going to be AR glasses. Um, but here comes the first iteration. They need a they need a, a a basis, a starting ground for developers to develop apps, and that's exactly what this is. It is a prototype device, mainly for developers to build apps and services. As the second version will be much cheaper, uh, you know, and it might be this rumored Apple Glasses project. It might be another VR headset before they go jump into the glasses or or frames or whatever they're going to call them. Um, while this headset will be available for consumer purchase, it's going to be only for early, early adopters. I don't see a lot of people buying it, especially considering the rumor, the rumor price tag is $3,000. The only other spec that we kind of know or have rumored is that it will have two 8K displays. This is kind of crazy. Um, and I did read an article this morning when I woke up that Apple and TSMC were coming together and looking to you know, work on making some special display displays for uh, glasses and, and frame style uh, shapes, I guess you could say, because obviously they're going to need some special displays for whatever they're planning to build. And yes, yeah, so TSMC is obviously a major manufacturer, if you don't know that, of different electronic pieces. We're about to talk about them again here in just a brief moment, because we're going to talk about production shortages. Everybody knows them. Everybody hates them. And they just might get worse before getting better. Qualcomm issued a warning that at the production level, uh, the issues could continue to spread further as TSMC and Samsung face issues to keep up with demand. So why are they facing more issues now than before? Shouldn't we be getting caught up now that things are kind of getting better? Not really. So new products keep coming along that are eating into the available production capacity as producers struggle to keep up with even the existing products. So if you were already maxed out at 100% capacity and a new product comes along that you were contractually obligated to produce, let's say, you know, because these products, they're not just like released and then they go around and they say, all right, let's make some. No, you know, the Samsungs of the world, whenever they're going to do their new S21 series, obviously they're going to produce the majority of them because Samsung does their own production. But they could go to somebody else and they're going to say, all right, look, we're, it's, it's, uh, May of 2021, we've got this phone, it's nearly ready, we're coming to you, TSMC, and we're going to say we're in in uh, December or, or November of the end of this year, we are going to ramp up production for this new device that's coming out, we want you to help produce some, uh, and we're going to sign a contract because we want to guarantee that you will produce these for us, and we'll obviously pay you a lot of money. But yeah, that's signed in advance. And so then when they have uh, production shortages of car of items that they're supposed to be producing now, and suddenly these new products, which they are contractually obligated to produce, or they've entered it into a contract to produce, and they've said they will produce them, pop up and they try to produce them when they're already at 100%. You can't make 110% with just 100%, unfortunately. Uh, no matter how much hard work you put into it, it's just physically not possible so you know they already had issues with new products that have been released recently uh, like the nvidia cards amd chips and cards ps5s and xbox series x and s those are some of the the big ones that everybody's talking about right now and now we're getting new products being released like samsung s21 we're getting new tvs from people we're getting 
new monitors that are coming in with the HDMI 2.1 standard and the DisplayPoint 1.4. Well, HDMI 2.1 ports are not widely available right now because sure, it's relatively new standard. It's kind of been around for a couple of months now at this point, but it's still relatively new and there's still not a lot of them available for purchase. But you know that they're still trying to make these displays and they're also making half a million other products that have just recently been released and they're still trying to keep up with demand and, and all these other things and i mean man and and we almost immediately saw the effects of this qualcomm uh this warning from qualcomm because uh ford announced they're halting f-150 production because they don't have any microchips for their cars they just don't have the inventory to keep producing and it sounds like they have next to none because they could at least make a handful if they had some uh, so yeah f-150 production halted already uh, so production shortages hopefully what it, it, i personally thought it was going to be over sometime around this month and next month uh but now you know because i wasn't really thinking about it in terms of new products coming out trying to eat up the already non-existent production space and so hopefully it's over march to may is the timeline that i'll give because they obviously want to turn this around they're tired of being behind on progress they want to get these products out there and sell a ton of them you know sony just announced the other day we're going to talk about it here briefly that uh, you know they sold four or five million ps5s last year and they're making a lot of money. They bumped their revenue. Uh, they bumped their their revenue forecast for this current year because of all the sales they had last year. They want to get these products into the hands of consumers. And you know, I've heard some people out there saying, "Oh, you know, there's no real production shortage. It's like they're trying to hype up demand, drive up prices by releasing." No, they're not. They're 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 not trying to drive up the the price and create artificial demand. They simply can't make the product if you are making a product that is selling out nearly every single time it's normally a product that is widely available think about ps4 think about ps3 think about cpus think about gpus normally these things are available at launch for consumers to buy for them to not even buy online for them to be able to go into a store pick up the box with their hands and walk out with it on the same day and you simply can't do that right now you can't go to a store, walk on up to a shelf, and see a ton of PS5s or NVIDIA 3000 series graphics cards and grab one and, and go and pay for it and walk out. They're just not that available. And these are products that would normally be available. They're not some high-end luxury designer products where they're artificially limited to uh, you know, improve their demand or, or, or rarity or scarcity or whatever they would be trying to do there. These products are normally on the shelf, so it's like, it's tough. It's tough because they have to catch up at some point, and I'm sure they're, you know, grinding every single day to try to catch up. Uh, but yeah, that's my guess. March into May, hopefully it's done by then. I'd like to get my PS5 soon. Uh, I did give up on the PS5 hunt. I might have to rejoin it here uh, in a little bit because it has been a minute since I did give up on it. So hopefully, you know, things have calmed down a little bit and should be... While not easy, it should be slightly easier than it was before. Anyways, that is enough for that section. I really 
didn't have a whole lot for what's coming up. I've been trying to really focus in on what has happened since last time and cover all the major topics that I could come up with off the top of my head. And before we jump into it, these are in no particular order. They're just as I remember them writing. Most of them are chronologically from most recent to uh, the oldest, uh, as far back as I could remember being at in terms of like what had just happened last time. But let's start it. So what has happened since last time? The first and most important one that I'm sure you all want me to talk about. Jeff Bezos will be stepping down by year's end and becoming executive director on the board. That's right, Jeff Bezos stepping down from Amazon's CEO position. Uh, and Andy Jassy, the former head of Amazon's cloud business, will take over. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk about Jeff Bezos here in, in just a brief moment. But first, let's look at this decision to put Andy Jassy in as the head and why it is a fantastic idea and a terrible idea at the same time. Um, so first, it's fantastic. Andy Jassy has built the money printer for Amazon. For those, So for those of you who don't know, a lot of Amazon doesn't make money. That's crazy. It either breaks even or goes negative. For example, the you know you go to Amazon.com right now, you order something, that sucker is going to show up in 48 hours, if not by the end of the day that you order it on. And the kind of shipping expenses that occur with that are astronomical. The you have to have not only the products be in the right place at the right time, but you also have to have the infrastructure to take that product out of wherever it's hiding at, put it in a box, put it in the back of a van, and haul ass down the highway to get to this person's house to make it there before 10 p.m. tonight, right? And drop the sucker off at their front door because that's what you promised them. You promised them same-day delivery on some of these items. You're promising them two-day delivery on some of these items that are halfway across the country, right? And, you know, that the the costs associated with this are extreme, and so they have to be making money somewhere, and Andy Jassy is the one who's been doing that for them, so cloud makes up the vast majority of the profits they use to turn around and fund these other sides of Amazon. The uh, quick little example. It's one that I came up with. I've actually tried recording this episode already once. The microphone that I was using started having a little static in the background, so we switched to this other one. It doesn't sound as nice, but you know, it's it's we're making do. Anyways, here is basically how this works. It's I don't know for sure. It's it's the the exact percentage is I'm sure very different from what I'm going to give you, but I do know it is extremely high. I don't know if it's, it had to have gotten better instead of getting worse, but it could have gotten worse since I last saw. But anyways, so in their cloud business, they have their set expenses, right, of setting up the servers and getting all the software and everything running. Once they cover those set expenses, the once they once they sign up enough people to their program to cover those set expenses, each person after that that they sign up is somewhere in the neighborhood of 90% pure profit because they need, it's the incremental cost of adding somebody onto cloud is extremely, extremely low. And that's one of the reasons that they really got into this early and they're, they're huge in the cloud space now is because Amazon Web Services just like 
it's literally as i said before printing money they just turn around they open up space and they turn on the money printer and they let it run so uh let's give a little bit of example so let's say uh and this is very broadly speaking let's say it costs them five hundred dollars to set up a new server and so they're going to charge fifty dollars per person to have access to this server and use and host their website on the server and so it takes 10 people to cover the 500 dollars initial cost setup and then after that the 11th person and everyone on from that 11th person is 90 percent profit so they only take out five dollars out of every fifty dollars to sell and let's say they limit it at a thousand dollars at a thousand people on this one server right so it's fifty dollars we have to take out 10%, which is $5, we got $45, we got 45, and we multiply it times 990, because out of the 1,000, it only took 10 to cover the initial cost, and then, and, and then, those initial costs don't even have to be covered next month, so this is only one month, right? So we'll take the 45, and we'll times it by 990, and we get $44,550. That is an in insane amount of money compared to how much they are spending they spent five let's see if we uh divide it by 500 that is a <laughs> holy cow that is a 8910 percent return on how much they spent dear god i hope i did the math right right there because i'm not, i'm not even sure that just feels astronomical that's in that's insane they're making so much money off this cloud business and it's covering so much and and this is where the majority of their capital comes from they have a lot of money from their stock obviously the stock is astronomical through the roof and you know it's one of the big big points of amazon has always been uh you know jeff goes to the investors he says hold on with me you know don't expect anything in terms of dividends, in terms of money coming out of this company, we are not going to be profitable for the longest time. But keep the money in, and I will show you something fantastic. And that is exactly what he's done. He's taken this capital from these people, given them nearly, given them one one share of stock in return, or however many they purchase, and nothing beyond that. And he's turned around and built a a gigantic empire that reaches around the globe it's insane and they can just continue to do this and now once they set up the cloud business obviously they set this up a while back it's very vast reaching it's called aws amazon web services i think i did mention that previously um but you know now they don't even have to rely on investors as much or they can rely on investors just as much and have double the money to turn around and invest in new projects other old projects uh, existing businesses that they want to subsidize uh, all these different things right and so it's it's only the logical conclusion that if jeff is going to step down the person who is the head of the profit portion of the business should take over because he is going to know where to take the business in the future because obviously cloud is a huge future for amazon it's a huge future for everyone right now we see microsoft getting into it with microsoft azure uh, you know, Google has obviously always been into the cloud, and, and there's a lot of other uh, competitors out there in the space. But I, I mean, it, it's 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 crazy to to put anybody else there in the current in the current state of the business. Uh, sure, you know, you could have put your 
your head of retails or or the head of their marketing or something like that but i mean this is this is the obvious choice it's the clear choice and uh that's what makes it a perfect choice for this pick but it also makes it a terrible choice for this pick why is it terrible uh antitrust basically they needed to make some kind of move in advance of antitrust to try to like throw them off the trail because there's all these other all these companies are being investigated for antitrust right now you got you know obviously apple you've got google facebook they're all being looked into facebook you know it is is facebook's pretty much done and dusted so the uh, people can look at all these other companies obviously with facebook they're just going to say split the three services it's it's too much they they don't need to be intertwined spin them off you know this is it or at least spin off instagram i think instagram is the one that's going to get spun off uh or at least forced to be spun off because whatsapp is kind of different it's not as much of a social media platform as facebook and, and instagram are and uh you know the the social media space has been very dry uh in terms of like new companies coming forward obviously we've got TikTok, but you know other than that try to think of something else that has come forward and really made an impact other than since twitter launched really and it, and it's still here to this day right it's still here um but then when, when once they've done with that they can really take a deep look at these other companies and so amazon really needed to get ahead of the curve here they needed to, to put their best foot forward and say you know what we're going to spin off the cloud business because this is a gigantic portion of our business it'll instantly be one of the most valuable companies in the world and it'll you know move antitrust you know it'll, it'll give us some positive uh relationship with the people who are doing the antitrust investigation into us because we'll say look you know we you know we can kind of regulate ourselves if you tell us we need to step back we'll step back right we won't step back unless you tell us we need to step back we'll just keep going and going and going uh but yeah so that's that probably should have been their move to spin off something big like that and so obviously they would have kept andy jassy at the head of that if they wanted to spin it off but now you know andy jassy's going to move up um and then the other thing that i put down here was that they should have just retained jeff bezos through the pandemic and then announced his step down and could have kept the time frame similar so probably my best estimate is that around the summertime the pandemic will be over ish or, or coming to a conclusion hopefully as the you know vaccines are uh, widely distributed and available to the public but um you know it, it 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 could be taken as jeff kind of like jumping ship in the middle of the pandemic and antitrust and and sure maybe that might be the right move but you know it's like if if as long, if he could have just he's obviously going to stick through towards the end of the year so he's not going to miss out on these events but the the because it's announced now it's basically kind of like all right he's going to start taking his back seat slowly and handing off different projects throughout the rest of this year so he's not going to be as involved uh and at least as publicly facing involved as we would have uh you know assumed but uh let's talk about Bezos here for a minute obviously an incredibly impactful legacy uh probably the greatest 
you know, biggest business legacy of of all time. I mean, you have to think about all the things that he's done, the 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 numerous jobs he's created. Uh, the when they raised all the Amazon employees up to fifteen dollars, that was the the single biggest raise in 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 history. I would think where you know they took their like one their over a million staff suddenly up to fifteen dollars in a single day and and it, with the snap of your his fingers you know he made that occur um and then you know you also have to think about all the other projects that he's working on the vast amounts of capital i mean he's he's working on all these other projects he's got blue origins amazon day one fund he's got the washington post you know and and the list continues to go on and this is all outside of it of of just being the ceo of amazon right so now basically what he's trying to do is he's trying to give himself uh, more time to focus on other projects and uh another quick sky galley reference here is that he recently did a video i'm going to link it in the description of this because it's a fantastic watch if you've got the time where he talks about everything that jeff bezos has done up to this point and he ends it by saying you know think about the last you know, 25 years or something like that of Amazon and how impactful they have been. But Jeff Bezos' next 25 years with the capital he has, the contacts, and his insane business acumen could be profound, right? He could apply himself to solving some of the world's greatest problems. I mean, my guess is Blue Origins. My guess is Blue Origins is his next stop to take that sucker to the to the skies right to new new heights um i could be wrong but that that that's that's logically you know if you just think about it that's clearly his next step uh is to is to get that sucker going because there's a lot of entrance in that space which we do need to talk about we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of, of how we're going to talk about that towards the end of the of whichever episode wraps this whole thing up because now that i look over we're at 26 minutes and we've only covered one topic all right Next, let's jump into this next one. We're going to try to um, run through this relatively fast because it's been covered a lot, but it's basically the Wall Street bets versus Wall Street hedge funds. Uh, I'm going to give my best rundown. So basically what was happening is there is this guy uh, named uh, Deep Effing Value on Reddit, and he really liked GameStop stock. He thought way back in 2019, he did an analysis of the stock. He saw they had a lot of capital on hand to keep the store afloat while they continued to uh, focus on in-store experience because he did believe that in-store experience, while uh, a lot of gaming was shifting to online purchases and other things like this in places where you know people don't have the internet speed to download games online, the in-store experience was going to be uh, more important than ever as these bigger games came out. Uh, you know, obviously we see like uh, Call of Duty's a gigantic 200 plus gigabytes at this point. Um, how much is uh, Cyberpunk 2077? Uh, let's type game game size really quick. 70 gigs. Okay, so it's not that big, um, but you know, obviously, you know, 70 gigs is still a lot for somebody who has three megabytes uh, or 25 megabytes of 25 megabits of download right it's not, it's not a whole lot um but yeah so he basically saw that the answer experience was going to be popular in areas that don't have access to um extremely fast internet and where people still want to buy 
the DVDs and Blu-rays and, and all those other kind of things. And so he's been investing in the stock for a hot minute. And then just the other, uh, other month back in January, a, another user noticed that, hey, you know, hedge funds are, are shorting the stock and they're shorting it pretty heavily. They shorted it 107 or 110% or something like that. And so, you know, not only did they short it the full value, they shorted it some extra, right? Because they went over 100%. And they said, hey, you know, let's let's squeeze the crap out of them, right? So, sh so short squeeze is basically, okay, so short selling. We'll go with short selling for short selling. Uh, so imagine you own, uh, we'll give an example. This is the easiest way to explain it. So imagine you own some baseball cards. And I come to you and I say, hey, let me borrow those baseball cards for a week, okay? And so you say, sure. You hand me the baseball cards. I turn around. And the reason I asked for your baseball card specifically is because I think the price of these baseball cards is going to go down by the time that I have to give them back to you. So let's say they're valued at $400 right now, right? I sell your baseball cards for $400. I wait until the price goes down, and then right before I have to give them back to you, I buy them back. Let's say the price drops by half. I buy them back for $200. And I say, you know, it's a week later. I say, here's your baseball cards. Thank you for letting me borrow them. And you say, yeah, no problem. I've just made $200, right? Because I got the baseball cards from you for free, turned around, sold them for $400, and then bought them back in exactly the same condition and everything for $200. So I get to keep the extra $200 that I made from selling them the first time, even though I never owned the baseball cards in the first place, right? You have your baseball cards. They're identical to the baseball cards you had before, and now I have $200. How this is legal, I couldn't tell you. But what if the opposite happened? What if instead of going down, the price went up, right? So I buy, I take your baseball cards, I sell them for $400, right? And so I'm waiting, 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 and suddenly the price goes up. These suckers are in demand. The price goes up by $200. It's now $600. Time comes for me to give you back your baseball cards. I have to buy these baseball cards because I'm contractually obligated to return to you at the end of the period your baseball cards so i have to go out and spend an extra two hundred dollars i have to pay six hundred dollars so now i'm out two hundred dollars and you i return your baseball cards to you this is what this is called a short squeeze where the the price goes up instead of going down and they have to buy them back at a greater uh, price than what they sold them at so basically, GameStop was trading at, shoot, I don't even remember at this point, like 20, $24, $16, somewhere around that, I, I believe, before this all started. And they wanted the stock to hit somewhere around $8. And instead, the stock shot up to nearly $500. I think it was at peak $495. The markets haven't opened yet, but we can take a quick peek. It's currently at $50. So let's go back a full month. We can kind of follow this around. Yep, I was kind of close. Let's go back six months. Uh, so it's uh, we'll go back all the way into December 24th. It was hovering around $20, or sorry, December 28th, $20.99. Uh, we come into January where it starts to take off. We'll go as far forward as I can without triggering the jump. January 12th uh, of this year, 19, it was at $19.95. 
then you know the the squeeze begins and it skyrockets in 15 days to 347 obviously that's not the peak it's just i'm pretty far zoomed out here so i really can't see the peak um it was uh like three or 495 but it's in the same day it also declined back down um so that was the that was thin there was an, a second peak it dipped down slightly to 183 on the 28th so that's almost you know 200 dollars that's 150 ish decline and then it skyrocketed back up to 325 on the 29th and it has since dropped substantially and is sitting around 50 point 50 dollars and 31 cents um so yeah it's still up from the beginning of the year it's sick it's crazy um nothing like it was before but uh you know what is what is what is happening you know what were they trying to do and and did it did it work so basically they were trying to squeeze these hedge funds that had shorted the stock um because they could instantly make money if they made the stock rally and they made the stock rally um but now the goal is to hold on to the stock so uh, a lot of things have occurred since then you know the the squeeze begins these traders are buying up tons and tons of shares and you know these these financial platforms are seeing all this and they're like oh shoot you know we gotta we gotta halt restrictions uh robin hood was one of them robin hood's the the, the biggest player in the space you know they they said let the, you know the, the tweet the tweet is surfaced back up i think it's like let the people trade or something like that and now it's like one of those poorly aged things or it might not be we'll talk about that here in a brief moment but um yeah they had to halt trading restrictions on this stock and other stocks that begin to get targeted and um it it, it was pretty crazy to watch i have to say it was, it was fairly crazy uh so after the you know the trading restrictions get in place they they can't trade the stock then some stock brokerages enable customers to or uh shareholders to sell their stocks but not buy them so that triggers a the first spike down uh in terms of price because now people are in uh, panic mode and they're, they're selling them off uh and then they allow purchases in limited quantities and you know then people in other countries realize they don't have restrictions so they're buying in and then the restrictions have to be expanded and, and it's been a whole lot of back and forth and i don't even know if the restrictions are lifted at this point um but you know it, it's 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 been a wild ride as to whether they will continue to hold basically the end game here is to hold the stock until whenever those hedge funds contracts expire so it's not known whether they sold their some of them are claiming they sold their positions but you know who knows if they've actually sold off their positions where they would basically means they went out and they closed the position they bought back the shares at whatever price it is now and they just said screw it we're tired of losing money um but others of them could be holding out and waiting for the stock to come back down because it's not it's not worth as little as they think it is but it's not worth as much as it's valued right now right gamestop is probably somewhere in between gamestop was probably chilling around a good good valuation for the company of twenty dollars per share is not bad maybe it's worth you know a little bit more considering the footprint that they have and the uh you know they just lack the ability to uh capitalize on their current position um but yeah 
So, I mean, that's probably the best rundown that I could give without really getting into everything. So, um, really quickly, since we're already at 35 minutes, we're going to talk about the Robin Hood, and then, you know, we'll have to jump into the next episode to talk about the state of PCs and consoles and the shortages we were talking about previously. But let's talk about Robin Hood really quickly. So, Robin Hood might not actually be the bad guy and why is that? So throughout this whole thing, one of the major players has been Robinhood. Robinhood was one of the first to restrict trading on uh, GameStop. They also restricted it on other uh, stocks. And so people were like, oh my goodness, you know, it's because they're they're backed by Citadel. They're backed by Citadel, right? So, so what the frick does Citadel have to do with this, right? So Citadel is, is another uh, player in the financial space. And the one of the major hedge firms, hedge funds that was being that was shorting GameStop and was being targeted by all this, the uh, person who runs the hedge fund was good friends with the person who runs Citadel. And so he calls, uh, he, so the rumor was supposedly he calls up Citadel and says, hey, you know, these people, they're, I don't like this. We're losing tons of money, you know, make this change. And so the, the guy at Citadel calls up the CEO, Robin Hood, and says, hey, restrict the trading on these things. We're t they're tired of losing money and only allow them to sell, right? So it's some, this conspiracy theory that's going on behind here. But then Robin Hood comes out, right? And and, and, and there's a flurry of interviews and <laughs> clearly the CEO is a little razzled and, and confused as to what is occurring. And, you know, people are saying, you know, hey, you don't have the right to restrict these trading options. If, if these tradings need to be restricted, there's very few reasons why an exchange would restrict the trading. If they thought there was... Uh, uh, reasonable fraud occurring and they would restrict the trading and they, they would then investigate or if there was some uh, disclosure that had not occurred yet and that the company needed to make some kind of dis financial disclosure or, or disclosure in general and that would be those were the reasons why they would halt trading and so since they didn't know of any fraud and there were no disclosures that needed to be made they should legally should not have been allowed to restrict the trading uh, However, then it came out, you know, that in the user agreement, Robin had says, you know, we have the right to at any time restrict trading on any of the uh, stocks in, in this app. And um, then, you know, they, they come out and they have to raise a billion dollars of you. People are like, what the, what the heck are they doing? They're they're restricting trading and they're, they're raising tons of money. Why are they raising tons of money? At least. And, and that was a big confusion for me at first, too. It was like, yo, they just restricted all the trading. And now, you know, they're, they're taking a victory lap by raising a billion dollars of capital. Well, that's not exactly what was occurring. So, uh, uh, as the CEO explained it, in the middle of the night, it was like 3 a.m. or something, I think, is when he said, the uh, clearinghouse, which is, uh, let's give a quick, I, I read it before. I have a general understanding of what clearinghouse is. But let me give you the definition for Wikipedia. So the clearinghouse is a financial institution formed to facilitate the exchange of payments, securities, or derivatives transactions. They stand, so the clearinghouse stands between two firms, and it's supposed to reduce the risk of a member failing to honor its trade settlement obligations. So basically the clearinghouse, you know, does the exchanging of the monies between, uh, you know, whoever, whoever wants to buy the stock and whoever actually owns the stock. And uh, the clearinghouse comes to Robin Hood and says, hey, you know, there's a lot of purchases being made. We are going to need a lot of money from you right now because you have to have a certain amount of money available for us to take from when the stock tr 
exchanges are being made. So we can just take the money as, as needed, right? And the, this is, he talked a lot about their capital requirements. This is what he was talking about, was this capital requirement with this clearinghouse. And so he says that the clearinghouse comes to them uh, and says, we need $3 billion. Suddenly at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night, we need $3 billion. Robinhood doesn't have $3 billion of cash just lying around, right? So they have to turn around and they're, they're, they have to restrict trading on these dealios because they have to use the capital that they have to also clear other stock trades that are occurring in the market because there's lots of other stocks on these exchanges that are occurring in the market being traded right now. So they restrict trading on these specific ones that are, that are soaking up capital. They go to the clearinghouse and they say, okay, you know, let's, let's work out a deal. But how much can we get this down to so that we can get this money to you as quickly as possible? They eventually settle on something like $1.2 or something like that down from three. And so then they go out and they raise all this capital and they turn around and they infuse it into their, uh, their finances and their clearinghouse uh, capital requirement to, to, to settle their clearinghouse capital requirements, right? And so then... Uh, out of everybody, Elon Musk steps up a little bit, and there's some like exclusive uh, social media app or whatever called Clubhouse, and you know I do want to talk about that at some point, but it'll have to be for a later date. And so it's basically like uh, at these audio rooms where people have to have speaking permission to talk in these rooms. And so Elon Musk comes into one of these Clubhouse rooms, and he, he's talking to the CEO of Robinhood, who is like Vlad or something like that, CEO of Robin. Hood, um, yeah, Vladimir Tenev, or sorry if I butchered your name, he's probably not listening to this, so what does it matter? They're talking to each other, and he's, you know, he's like, Elon Musk goes, is, what's something, he asked him point blank, what's something shady here? Did you get a call from Citadel? Did you get a call from one of these hedge funds telling you to restrict the stock? Vladimir goes, no. Here's what happened, and he explains, the call at 3 a.m., they have to get this capital, they have to, you know, seal this deal with this clearinghouse. Right. And so then he goes, uh, then Elon Musk says, well, $3 billion, that seems like a lot suddenly at 3 a.m. to need from a clearinghouse. Was there something shady happening in the background? And Vlad goes, I simply don't know. Right. I All I know is, is that we have to comply with this clearinghouse or we won't be allowed to continue to provide our services. Right. Uh, because this clearinghouse could restrict their access to the market. And now Robinhood is no longer able to allow people to buy and sell stocks on their platform. And so then Elon Musk goes on to say, all right, well, someone needs to check out this coin. I don't remember which clearinghouse it was, NCPP or something like that. Uh, uh, let's see, Robinhood Clearinghouse. Uh, news. Okay, here we go. It's from Fortune. The real call, blah, blah, blah. Oh, sorry. NSCC, National Securities Clearing Corporation. Right. Um, that they needed to get this money to the NSCC. And Elon Musk goes, Somebody needs to look into the NSCC to see if there was something shady happening in the background. Because it does kind of feel strange that you suddenly need $3 billion. I, I mean, was the the trading volume heavy? Yes, they're buying tons of these stocks. And it did expand to other 
uh, you know, stock tickers. It was AMC. It was uh, uh, Nokia. It was the uh, Naked, I think. That's um, some like clothing brand, not the drink. And and, and a handful of others. And, and to suddenly require three billion dollars from somebody that does seem like a lot. But you know, maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Who's to say? Somebody should definitely check into it. And people are checking into it. We. Uh, we'll see the CEO of Robinhood and a handful of other people testify before Congress. The Treasury Secretary Jan uh, Yellen said that they are studying the events and trying to understand what happened before jumping into action. Uh, so she's already met with financial regulators from the SEC, the CFTC, Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve Bank in New York. And they sat down and uh, New York Times kind of summarized it up here. They said, while the SEC and to a more limited extent, the CFTC have the most jurisdiction over the issues, the Fed has a financial stability mandate and market insight. The New York Fed's trading desk constantly talks with Wall Street. So they gathered all these people who have like a hand in this dealio to sit down and talk and say, okay, what happened here? Was there some kind of fraud occurring in the background? Does new legislation need to be passed to you know, try to prevent events like this in the past, which honestly, you know, it it's not really market manipulation if you're kind of out in the public about it and you're 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 making your intentions known. That's not really market manipulation. That's just traders. You know, you see hedge funds do this junk all the time, except behind closed doors. You know, this is the first time the little guy got one over on the big guy. So, not really some room for for uh, legislation. But anyways. Clearly, something needs to happen. Something that should change about the financial situation. Probably, short selling should go away, or at least be heavily regulated, much more heavily regulated than it is now. There are decent short sellers out there. We'll talk about uh, some of them in a moment, such as the short seller who was on the Nikola case, or Nikolai, or, or however you want to call the company. We talked about a lot about them way back when we uh, were really going. Uh, but anyways, that is it for this first episode. I have to end it. Otherwise, I will continue to talk for ages. So, you know, today we looked at a handful of things. We talked about Jeff Bezos and, and stepping out from Amazon. And then we immediately jumped into uh, the Wall Street bets versus Wall Street hedge funds and explained why Robinhood might not be the bad guy that they seemed. So uh, obviously, the next episode will publish tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this first return episode. It ended up being 46 minutes, 10 minutes over the time limit that I set myself. I, I had a soft, I had a hard cap of 40 minutes in my head, and we're six minutes over it. So here's the outro. Uh, as I said, the next one will publish tomorrow, and it will pick up on... Where do we leave? Oh, yes, the state of PCs and consoles explained, basically talking about the shortages and, and some other different things happening there. We have a lot of other topics to get to. Um, but as always, if you have a question, comment, topic you want to see discuss, or you just want to reach out, send an email to realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. That is realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at realtechhours to stay up to date with the latest podcast news and updates. And as always, you can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.